Welcome to the Infinite Capacity Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Morton of Think to Thrive Coaching, where I specialize in helping moms in midlife build self-confidence and courage to reach their full potential in wellness, relationships, and career goals. I am here to make you think hard, inspire you, and teach you how to discover and grow your own infinite capacity. Now, let's get started with this week's podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast 15. It's super exciting to be here with you. It's amazing that we have created 15 episodes of the Infinite Capacity Podcast to share with you all every other Tuesday for nearly half a year now. We've also just passed the 1,000 download mark, which is pretty fantastic. And I'd love to give a big shout out to my sound editor, Ben, who is amazing and so talented. Ben of StellarAudioLab.com. I highly recommend working with him. So wherever you're listening to this from, whether it's driving in the car to take your kids to school or sports practice, heading home from work, maybe working out at the gym, cooking dinner, or just decompressing, thank you so much for listening. I honestly feel really lucky and honored to spend this time with you. Today, I want to talk to you about a concept that you may have heard about from friends or family or even at the office. It's something you might actually have accepted as true, and it might be something that you even talk about in your own life from time to time. I'd like to be really upfront and candid with you guys, so I'm just going to tell you right now, today, I'm going to push back on something that you might really care about. I'm going to respectfully disagree, so today's podcast might be a little controversial. And this episode may make you mad at me for a little while as you begin to process it in your brain and your heart, because I'm going to challenge an idea that you might really want to hold on to. You might have very well thought out reasons for why you want to believe it. And I bet you could even tell me some great stories to try to disprove my rationale. So let's get started and We'll see what you think when you finish. You can DM me on Instagram or through my Facebook business page to share your thoughts, and I genuinely really want to know what you think. As you know, I work with moms in midlife. I coach them on relationships, among other things. And usually, if we're coaching on relationships, my clients may come in with stories and some strong emotions. Stuff builds up over time, and they may be experiencing stress or frustration with certain relationships in their lives. Recently, I had four different clients in a row, four clients who don't know each other, they don't live in the same states, they do not work the same kind of jobs, they don't have the same family structures, but all four of them use the same two words to describe a significant relationship in their life. They were talking about someone who was close to them, a person that they see regularly. And just to clarify, they were not all talking about the same person. They don't know each other. (laughs) Each of these clients in our different coaching conversations casually threw out the term emotional vampire in conversation. As in, my husband has become an emotional vampire. Spending time with him is so exhausting. Or my kid is an emotional vampire. Three hours with her complaining just sucks the life right out of me. And then probably because each of these moms was subconsciously wanting to offer social proof for their judgment, they each told me long, intricate stories to prove that this relationship in their life is emotionally draining. 
and how just being around that person can make them feel terrible and how they really need to protect themselves from said emotional vampire. And they each told me how everybody they know agrees with their opinion about this person. But of course, none of them were talking about the same person. Now, this term, emotional vampire, it might be new for some of you listeners. So before we move forward with this conversation, I think it's a good idea to give you at least a working definition of what people mean when they use the words emotional vampire. First, just think about it for a second. What do you think those two words mean? To be sure that I was understanding my clients correctly and also that I could explain it to you correctly, I went ahead and did a little research about the concept of an emotional vampire. I looked for as many credible sources as I could find, and what I discovered in my research is that while this term seems to be used very commonly, even by my clients, it is not super scientific. In fact, just doing the research for this podcast, it became clear that a psychic vampire or an emotional vampire is an idea that is more closely related to pop culture than it is to actual science. Psychic, energetic, or emotional vampires are metaphors that are commonly used to describe a person whose influence leaves people around them feeling exhausted, unfocused, and depressed. At least that's according to Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt, all right, because this wasn't the Mayo Clinic I was reading. This kind of terminology was popularized in the 1960s by controversial thinkers and writers who were connected to the study of the occult of all things. And the concept was even expanded in some cases to refer to a spiritually or emotionally weak person who drains vital energy from other people. Now, we have come a long way from a few marginalized writers in the 1960s. Somehow, the concept must have caught fire in the public imagination because 60 years later, this term remains in common use, even by the most devout and religious moms. As I mentioned just now, I had four clients in a row casually mention it to me in conversation in one week that someone that they're very close to in their life is an emotional vampire. Nicolette Lianza is a psychotherapist in Ohio with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in clinical counseling from the University of Akron. And she explains in the Life Stands Health blog that an emotional vampire is a person who drains the emotional energy out of you, which leaves you feeling exhausted or worse after you see them. They lurk as needy relatives, workplace bullies, or complain-loving friends. She says they can make us feel overwhelmed, depressed, angry, or fatigued. And according to Psychology Today's contributor, Judith Orloff, MD, there are five types of emotional vampires that you could encounter. Orloff defines them as the narcissist, the victim, the controller, the constant talker, and the drama queen. Orloff goes so far as to explain five signs that you have encountered an emotional vampire, all of which can apparently be found inside your own body, including feelings of anxiety or a desire to binge on carbs after you speak with a certain person. When I read this, I'm not going to lie, I laughed out loud. If only it were that easy. If only we could really blame our anxiety and our desire to eat carbs on other people, on emotional vampires. It would be such a great excuse if only it were true that the reason I binged on white chocolate during the Christmas holidays was because I had to deal with bickering children or rude people in line at Costco. If only. 
But it isn't just psychology today. There is a lot written out there about emotionally draining people and emotional exhaustion. In an article published last year for the Harvard Business Review, Monique Valcour explains that research shows that people who are suffering from emotional exhaustion will experience a higher level of conflict in their work and life. Valcour states, they may find that they have less patience to engage with family and friends at the end of the day and become more frustrated with them more easily. And that is why it's important to pay attention to your emotional energy and note when reserves run low. Learn what factors tend to drain them and experiment with ways to reduce the strain. So this idea that your energy is a thing that can be drained, like a pitcher full of water or a bottle of olive oil, this idea has some real traction today in popular culture, psychology, medicine, and even at Harvard Business Review. In today's podcast, though, I am going to teach you from a coaching perspective a different way to look at all of this. And as I said, you may not like what I have to say at first, especially if you have been comfortably blaming people in your life or blaming external events for draining all of your energy. But here it is. Brace yourself. Are you ready for it? I'm going to say it. There is no such thing as an emotional vampire. There is no such thing as another human who can siphon away your emotional energy, your joy, or your power. There is only you. You and your thoughts. You and the meaning that you make from the world around you, from the people you meet and the situations you experience. There is only you and your lens on the world, you and the feelings that you choose to focus on, you and the healthy boundaries that you create for yourself or that you don't create for yourself. Believing in emotional vampires may feel good in the moment because it gives us validation or affirmation that we can be a victim and that nothing bad or weird that happens to us is ever our fault. We don't have to feel ashamed, right, if we've been the victim of a crime. We can just point the finger at another person who committed that crime, even if it's emotionally, and say, well, I was just minding my own business when that person emotionally victimized me. And it is true that people can do things physically to us that do affect our lives. People can drive drunk. They can swerve their car into our car and paralyze us or, heaven forbid, kill our passengers or loved ones. People can mug us, they can steal our wallet, or worse, they can break our hearts, they can cheat on us, they can leave us. People can do lots of things to us physically. However, when we buy into believing that a person out there can steal, drain, or in any way affect our own emotions, we are bleeding away our inner power without meaning to. We are honestly exhausting, draining, and perhaps even damaging ourselves. And I'm here to help you see through this trope so that in case you have gotten in the habit of doing this, I can help you call your power firmly back. Emotional vampires are supposed to take something away from you like your energy or your peace of mind. As your life coach, I'm here to remind you that this is physically impossible. Another person cannot siphon energy or emotion from you like they would from a gas tank or like a vampire bat might suck blood. Other people cannot deplete you even if they really, really want to. Only you can give away your own emotional energy. 
As Viktor Frankl, World War II Holocaust survivor, wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Even in the worst of conditions, in a holocaust, in a concentration camp, the one thing that jailers could never take away from their prisoners was their outlook, their thinking, and their belief. In coaching, we learn that our feelings stem from our thoughts. There is no emotion we ever feel that does not first come from a thought. And the way we know this to be true is that if we were brain dead, our body might have physical sensations like hunger, but we wouldn't experience any emotions. Your human brain has to take in information, then it has to make meaning from that information in order for you to decide what you feel about a thing. And if you're thinking, I love my life and feeling joy, nobody external to you can take that joy away. The only way it changes is if you change your thought. As I said, other people can't deplete you energetically, even if they really want to. Only you can give away your own emotional energy. And you have a lot of choice in all of this. You can choose the thoughts that make you feel energized. You can choose thoughts that make you feel drained. You get to choose. And then your feelings come from that choice. They don't come from another person. Your feelings come ultimately from you. Okay, so to further disprove the concept of the emotional vampire, I'm going to tackle one of Dr. Orlov's five types. We're going to tackle the narcissist, the narcissistic emotional vampire. Um, Dr. Orlov defines this as someone who is me first and who feels self-important and entitled, hogging attention and craving admiration. Dr. Orloff states that these folks are dangerous because they lack empathy and they have little capacity to understand unconditional love. So let's pretend that you have an aunt who sounds just like this. We'll call her Aunt Susan. Maybe every time you run into her at a party, she corners you and she talks to you for 20 minutes about her cats or her thoughts about politics and religion or why she never, ever liked your high school sweetheart or your parenting. And she may not let you get in a word edgewise or even ask any questions about you at all. She might just talk on and on and on about herself. So when you hear about emotional vampires, you might think of Aunt Susan and say, huh, I think Aunt Susan is an emotional vampire. She's a narcissist. She must be because she's super me first. She hogs attention and she seems to feel entitled to say whatever she wants to. Now, when you think that thought, you feel an emotion and the emotion you're feeling might be vindication because you've thought for a long time that Aunt Susan is self-centered or it might be frustration because you just can't stand being around self-centered people. Or maybe you feel sad for Aunt Susan because she doesn't know why people don't like spending time with her, but you do. I've got news for you, though, and you won't like hearing it. All of these feelings, vindication, frustration, sadness, they are all coming from you. They are coming from your own thoughts. The reason you don't like spending time with Aunt Susan is because you don't like the thoughts that you are having when you're around her. And those might be thoughts like, Aunt Susan only talks about herself. She is so boring. She is so old. She's so dull. 
She's so self-centered. Aunt Susan doesn't know what she's talking about. <sighs> I can't believe I'm related to her. I wish I hadn't come to this party. I can't believe she and my mom are sisters. I wonder how soon I can walk away. And those are just 10 possible thoughts that might be happening in your head during one conversation. Is it any surprise that after thinking 10, 20, or 30 thoughts like that, that you might feel desperate to get away from your aunt and go get yourself a drink? Is it any surprise that you might feel kind of tired? There could be another way of looking at the same woman and the same conversation, though, and that might take more work, but it would put the power squarely back in your own court, and it might also change how you feel about Aunt Susan and her supposed narcissism. You could choose on purpose to think kinder, more compassionate, more patient thoughts. You could choose to feel those because they feel better and they put you back in control of your own self and the situation. And those thoughts might be something like, Aunt Susan is unique and interesting to say the least. Gosh, I never know exactly what she's going to say next. My aunt lives alone. She may not have a lot of people to talk to. This might be the most important conversation she's had all week. Aunt Susan has had such a different life experience than I've had. I'm really curious to know more about what she thinks. I wonder if anyone ever allowed Aunt Susan to talk or valued her opinion when she was young. What can I learn from this conversation? I wonder what she and my mom have in common. I wonder if Aunt Susan has ever been in love. I wonder what Aunt Susan was like at my age. If you have 10, 20, or 30 thoughts like this, it might really change the way you talk with your aunt. It might change the way you feel when you see her walking towards you at a party. And it might shift the way you talk or think about her when she's not around. It might alter the kinds of questions you ask her. It might affect your energy level after you've spent 20 minutes talking to her. These thoughts will definitely create different emotions for you than if you choose to think of her as an emotional vampire. These new thoughts have the potential to shift you out of judgment and frustration, which can be emotionally draining, and take you toward curiosity, interest, and fascination. The reason why you don't like spending time with your aunt isn't because she's an emotional vampire, it's because of what you're choosing to think about her before, during, and after your interaction with her. And that's why when you say, I can't stand Aunt Susan, your brother might say, you're nuts. I love Aunt Susan. She's hilarious. And she's the only one of our aunts who really understands me. I think she's great. You and your brother are both talking about the same woman. It's just that you and your brother have different thoughts about her. If you find that you're leaning into the concept of emotional vampires because you feel tired or drained after spending time with someone in your life, you might also want to take a look after you work on your thoughts, at your own boundary setting. And we can definitely talk about how to do that another time in a different podcast. But if you've set healthy boundaries for yourself, it's unlikely that you're going to find yourself devoting an hour to a conversation that your brain is telling you that it does not want to have with a person that you have chosen to not like. You can make a boundary for yourself anytime you want to. And you can decide in advance that if you run into Aunt Susan at the family reunion, you will spend no more than five minutes speaking with her before you very politely excuse yourself to use the restroom. Do you see how that strategy and working with your thoughts, how it all comes back to you and your own power? 
When we choose to believe in emotional vampires, we are putting ourselves in the sidecar of a fast-moving motorcycle with no ability to help steer where we're headed. We're stuck in a situation we can't control and we are at the mercy of other people and their actions and words. But when we let go and we realize that we are the ones with the power and that we can choose how we think, what we feel, and how much time we spend with others, well, that puts us right back in the driver's seat of our life, which is where we belong. So before we wrap up today, I am going to ask you a few really hard questions, and I'd like you to push yourself to really think about this. Is there someone in your life that you have been calling or thinking of as an emotional vampire? Have you been blaming them for your own reaction to them? What are the thoughts you actually think about that person? And if you listed all of those thoughts out, would they make you feel energized or drained? Are you setting healthy boundaries for yourself in order to keep your thoughts constructive and your energy balanced? Or do you need to learn how to set a healthy boundary? How could you shift all this for yourself? How can you call your own power back so you can feel amazing no matter who you're around? I know that this is a lot to chew on and mull over, so I just ask that you consider it for now. And if you have time, you can journal about your answers and your reflections. And maybe in the end, you'll decide that it's time to drive a stake through the heart of the idea that there is such a thing as an emotional vampire so that you can go ahead and move into your own sense of power and your own joy. And that's what I have for you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review for the Infinite Capacity Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Do you have any thoughts or personal stories about today's topic? If so, please feel free to reach out to me by email at hello at thinktothrivecoaching.com or follow me on my Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn pages to share your ideas. If you like today's podcast, please pass it along to anyone that you think needs to hear it. The best way for this podcast to really help people is to spread it widely. I'm here every second and fourth Tuesday of the month with awesome new episodes. And if you're a mother that wants to create more self-confidence, courage, or wellness in your life, definitely go to thinktothrivecoaching.com to learn how you can work with me, Andrea Morton. That's all for now. Wishing you a great week. 